Well, I know that uh, many people in our church uh, have just returned from holidays. And uh, if you're one of them, then I hope you had a great time away. Uh, of course, for many holiday makers these days, there's one particular website that's considered an absolute essential in the whole holiday planning process. And uh, that's the website called TripAdvisor. Uh, have you heard of it? Heard of it? Yeah, of course you have. Uh, if you haven't, however, let me explain. TripAdvisor is basically a website uh, that allows travellers to leave reviews on their holiday experiences and to rate those experiences as either excellent, very good, average, poor or terrible. Then other people planning a trip use this information to make an informed decision about their, their own holiday, uh, obviously choosing experiences that have been rated excellent rather than terrible. Because that's what we all want, isn't it? Now, in life, uh, we would much rather experience five-star excellent times than one-star terrible times. Which is why, if you're a Christian, you may find today's passage from to Timothy rather confronting. Because in it we learn that as Christians, we can expect our experience in life to be, at times, terrible. Today we're looking together at 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, if you don't already have a Bible open in front of you, can I encourage you to grab one now and turn with me there. It's page 1852 of the Church Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, now, you might remember 2 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. And uh, today's passage begins with Paul warning Timothy about what he can expect in life. Here, read with me from chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1, where Paul says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. In other words, Paul's saying, Timothy, know this with certainty. In the last days, life for us Christians will sometimes be really tough. Now, when Paul speaks of the last days here, he isn't just talking about that time immediately before Jesus' return, but rather he's using the phrase in the way that it's often used in the New Testament, uh, referring to that whole period from Christ's ascension uh, until his return. Uh, Paul is saying that during this time, there will be seasons where life is really tough for Christians. And the thing that will make life so bad during this time is, well, bad people. Obviously, as, as Christians live for God in a world opposed to God, well, that's going to spell trouble for Christians. But for Timothy, the problem's even worse. Because for him, uh, this problem isn't just out there in the world. No, it's inside his church too. You might remember uh, that false teachers have infiltrated Timothy's church. Uh, men who are teaching a message other than the true gospel. And last week, Paul told Timothy how to deal with these false teachers. Do you remember? He told them that he shouldn't, have, he shouldn't, he shouldn't argue with them, but rather gently instruct them. In the hope that they might come to their senses and repent. But, but Paul doesn't want Timothy to be naive. Uh, the fact is, while some of these false teachers might repent and be saved, many won't. And so Timothy needs to know that these ungodly people are going to cause all sorts of trouble for him and the other people in the church. Because these false teachers love neither God nor people. 
No, they love only themselves. They're utterly selfish and self-centred in their attitudes and behaviours. And so, naturally, they will cause havoc in the church. Here, look with me at how Paul describes these wicked people from verse 2. Verse 2, where he says, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Well, hey, what a list. Hardly the sort of profile description one might be drawn to on an internet dating site, I'm sure you'd agree. Not not that I think we're meant to understand that every godless person is expressing all of these traits all of the time. Now, I'm sure the intensity and expression of each trait varies from, from person to person. But needless to say, these are the sorts of people that can make life terrible for others. I mean, all you need is one or two people like this at school or at work or at the family reunion to make you dread going. They can make people's lives utterly miserable. But for poor old Timothy, these people are right there in his church. And making matters worse, they're presenting themselves as, well, all religious. They have a a form of godliness, Paul says. You know, they they, they have a, a veneer of godliness. But theirs is an empty religion. Because their ungodly behaviour reveals that they know nothing of God or of his transforming power. Because obviously they don't have God's Holy Spirit living in them. And so Paul tells Timothy to have nothing to do with these people. In other words, yes, he's to try to gently correct these false teachers... But if they refuse to change, then he is to dissociate himself from them. Have nothing to do with them. Not only for his good, but for the good of the people in his church too. Because these false teachers are deceptive and dangerous. In fact, it seems that they've already taken advantage of certain women in the church. Uh, Women weighed down by the guilt and shame of past sins. Emotionally and spiritually damaged women who have been easily seduced by these false teachers. Uh, Sadly, their endless search for truth, it's futile. Because ultimately their desire for sin outweighs their desire to know God. Here, read with me from verse 6. Verse 6. They are the kind, that is, these false teachers, are, are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So you see, these false teachers are dangerous. They've already deceived these vulnerable women. So now Timothy needs to have nothing to do with them, lest they deceive him too. After all, Paul is, is quite confident that in the end, 
these false teachers will be exposed as the imposters they are. That in the end, they'll end up just like those two magicians in Pharaoh's court in the days of Moses. Do you remember them? Uh, Those two magicians who caused all sorts of problems for God's people. Uh, The the magicians who, according to Jewish tradition, uh, were were named Janus and Jambres. Do you remember their story? Uh, God wanted Moses to lead his people out of Egypt to the promised land, but Pharaoh said, no. So Moses' brother, Aaron, threw down his staff in the presence of Pharaoh, and it became a snake as a sign that God was on their side. But through their magic arts, Janus and Jambres turned their staffs into snakes too, so Pharaoh wouldn't listen. So Moses and Aaron turned the Nile River to blood. But somehow Janus and Jambres managed to do that too. So Moses and Aaron brought on Egypt a plague of frogs. But somehow Janus and Jambres were able to conjure up their own frog plague. And for a while it seemed that Janus and Jambres were invincible. But then their wheels started to fall off, do you remember? Moses and Aaron produced a plague of irritating gnats. But when Janus and Jambres tried to do that, they couldn't. And in the end they conceded defeat, admitting to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Uh, Then when Moses and Aaron went on to produce a plague of boils on all the Egyptians, we're told that Janus and Jambres couldn't even stand up to face them. They were in such pain. And that's the last we hear of them. You see, in the end, those magicians who seem so powerful and who, who caused so many problems for God's people were ultimately humbled and silenced by God. And Paul says it'll be like that with these false teachers in Timothy's church too. Their folly will eventually be seen by everyone. If not in this life, then most definitely in the next. He read with me from verse 8. Verse 8. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. See, the day is coming when these false teachers will be humbled and silenced and exposed as the fakes that they are. So Timothy can take heart. And in the meantime, he just has to make sure that he doesn't get mixed up with them. But for Timothy, I imagine this would be a scary thing to contemplate doing. I mean, dissociating himself from these people. I mean, look again at that list of nasty character traits. Obviously, these guys are not going to appreciate being publicly rejected by Timothy. And chances are, Timothy's going to cop it for sidelining him in this way. But Paul wants to assure Timothy that that it's okay, that it's to be expected, that in fact it's quite normal, that all Christians who seek to do what's right and good in this world will suffer for it. What's important is that in those times, Christians don't give up or give in, that they just keep doing what is right and good, regardless. 
And in order to inspire Timothy, Paul puts forward his own life as an example. Uh, Paul, of course, suffered terribly for living out his Christian faith. But he persisted nonetheless. I mean, even through floggings and beatings and stonings and, and abuse and imprisonment. Yet he never gave in. He persisted in his godly life and teaching through it all. And Paul can testify to how God brought him through each trial. And now he wants Timothy to be confident that God will bring him through too. Even when things go from bad to worse. Timothy just needs to keep doing what is right and good. Here, read with me these final verses from verse 10. Verse 10, where Paul says to Timothy, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So yes, these false teachers are going to make life terrible for Timothy. Especially as he publicly distances himself from them. But, Paul, but Timothy needs to follow Paul's example. Not giving up, not giving in. Just doing what is right and good. Confident that one way or another, God will bring him through. And with that, today's passage ends. And so we come to the point now of, of thinking specifically about what this passage has to teach us here this morning. Because I think it's pretty obvious that Jesus, well, Jesus hasn't returned yet, am I right? No, of course he hasn't. But that, of course, means that like Timothy, we too are living in the last days. Which, of course, means that we, too, will experience terrible times. So what should we do? How should we respond? Well, here are four things that I think we can learn from today's passage. Firstly, firstly, I think it's obvious that, like Timothy, we, too, need to be prepared to face bad people in our lives. I mean, let's face it, we live in a world with billions of selfish, self-centred people, each one living for themselves. And of course, that's going to cause all sorts of problems for us. I mean, look again at Paul's list, where he, where, where he says, uh, uh, people will be uh, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 
I mean, surely when Paul wrote this list, he could have been watching our nightly news. Or an episode of Home and Away, for that matter. I mean, it describes our culture to a T, doesn't it? And so, friends, it shouldn't surprise us then when we feel the harmful effects of people like this. I'm afraid that's just life in our world. When somebody keys our car or steals our phone, when someone writes horrible things about us in social media, bullies our child in the playground, These things shouldn't take us by surprise. But mark this, Paul says, there will be terrible times in the last days. It's inevitable. And at one level, bad people will make life difficult for everyone. But as Christians, we can expect it all the more. As we live for God in a world opposed to God... Well, obviously, that's going to spell trouble for us. And sadly, in many parts of the world today, that trouble comes in the form of, well, severe persecution. The kind of stuff Paul faced. Beatings, imprisonment, even death. Here in Australia, I think we've had it pretty good up until now. Though I think we're starting to feel the heat more and more, aren't we? Should we be surprised? Should we feel helpless? No. Because we know that just like Janus and Jambres, all those who oppose God and harass his people will ultimately be humbled and silenced by God. Perhaps in this life, definitely in the next. We just have to be ready to stick with Jesus no matter what. Continuing to do what is right and good. Come what may. So that's the first thing. We need to be prepared to face bad people. And the second point is related. It's don't be a bad person. I mean, let's face it, it is hard enough to live as a Christian with people out there living selfish, self-centred lives. Friends, it should not be the case for us inside the church too. But you know, as I look at that list, I can't help but recognise, well, more than one of those ungodly character traits in my own life. What about you? I mean, are you a, are you a lover of money? Is that it? Are you, are you boastful? Are you proud? Are you unforgiving? Are you abusive in your relationships at home? Verbally? Physically? Are you disobedient to your parents? Are you slandering people on social media? Friends, all of these are inappropriate for God's people. And so we have got to change. And the great news is we can change. 
Because unlike the false teachers in Timothy's church, we don't have just an empty religion, a veneer of godliness without any power. No, we have the real thing. That means we have all the power of God's Holy Spirit living in us. And he can help us in these things if we yield to him. Friends, life is hard enough out there. So as Christians, let's make it here and our homes a place of respite and refreshment as we strive to love God and others above ourselves. That's the second thing. Thirdly, we need to watch out for false teachers. Now, obviously, they were a big problem in Timothy's church and he had to deal with them appropriately. And so we too need to be on our guard against false teachers today. Uh, Perhaps it seems a bit far-fetched to you to imagine a church like ours ever teaching something other than biblical truth. But you know, it wasn't all that long ago that false teachers stood here on this very platform telling people in these very pews that you can't really trust the Bible, that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, that he isn't really the only way to God in heaven. Just a few short decades ago, And I think we ignore that history to our peril. If it happened before, it could happen again. And so at the beginning of each sermon, when you hear those words, would you please open up your Bible and turn with me to today's passage? Friend, can I strongly encourage you to do so? So that you can be sure that what's being said up here is in fact what God is saying in his word. We need to be vigilant and make sure history never repeats itself. But I don't think we need to be vigilant only in here, but out there too. Because I think for many of us, the more immediate threat from false teaching is found outside these walls. So friend, let me ask, let me ask. What voices in your life could lead you astray from the unchanging word of God, either in belief or or behaviour. Perhaps it's certain friends or uh, the sorts of television shows you watch or the the music you listen to or the, the books or magazines or blogs you read. Now, of course, we're not looking to completely separate ourselves out from the world. We couldn't do that even if we tried. But, friend, we do need to feel the weight of Paul's warning in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. In today's passage, Paul said of the false teachers, have nothing to do with them. And I think at times we too we'll need to make the hard choice 
of distancing ourselves from those voices out there drawing us away from Jesus. That's the third thing. Fourth and finally, fourth and finally, I think this passage teaches us the importance of having godly examples to follow. Paul knew that staying true to the gospel was going to mean trouble for Timothy. And so what did he do? Did you notice he he used his own example of perseverance under fire to inspire Timothy, to show him that he could do it too. And as we prepare to face hard times as Christians today, I think, I think it's, it's really important for us to have our own examples to look to. So let me ask, do you, do you have any? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you have any examples of godly, faithful, persevering Christians that inspire you? For me, I think of people like Egal Vendor our mission partner in Israel, who who goes out onto the street to to lovingly share the good news of Jesus Christ with his own Jewish people. Igor Vendor, who is, as a result, spat on and uh, called traitor and uh, pelted with eggs and rocks. And yet there's Igor joyfully going out the very next day to do it all over again. Knowing that Jesus is with him. Knowing that Jesus is worth it. Oh, what a great example Egal is. Or, or I think of people, famous Christians in history, uh, the likes of John Bunyan. John Bunyan, who in the 1600s was thrown into prison for preaching the gospel You know, he could have been released at any time, any point. All he had to do was agree to stop preaching. But he never would. In the end, they kept him locked up for 12 years before they finally gave up and let him go. Or or there's the example of a young woman named Perpetua who, as a Christian in North Africa in the 3rd century, was arrested for her faith under the persecution of the Roman Empire. With her her trial fast approaching, her her non-Christian dad came and visited her in prison and pleaded with her to to just deny her faith. Father, do you see this vase, she said. Could it be called by any other name than what it is? No, he said. Neither can I be called by anything other than what I am, a Christian. Her loyalty to Jesus unwavering, even as she was eventually slain in a stadium full of jeering spectators. Oh, what courage. Oh, 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 what faith. What an example. And, 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 you know, it's godly examples like these that I think we are going to need more and more and more. If you've got kids, I wonder who their heroes are. Katy Perry? Ronaldo? Well, how about introducing them to some uh, true heroes worth following? And if you're a parent, I really recommend the Torchlighters Heroes of the Faith animated DVD series, which tells the stories of people like John Bunyan and Perpetua 
in a really captivating way for kids. Or, or if your kids are readers, there's Irene Howitt's excellent little books uh, for school-aged children. Uh, there's ten boys who didn't give in, ten girls who didn't give in. Now, all about Christian men and women from history who just chose to do the, the right thing rather than the easy thing. Uh, if you're an adult, maybe, maybe you'd like to check out the websites of organisations like Voice of the Martyrs or, or Open Doors, and I am sure they will inspire you with stories of faithful Christians around the world who are standing firm under severe persecution, even as I speak. And who knows, who knows, as we are inspired by people like this to, to, to stick with Jesus through, through our own tough times, who knows, Maybe someone down the track will be able to find their example in us. Now, there's a cool thought. Isn't it? Friends, it's one thing to use TripAdvisor to avoid terrible experiences on holiday. But as Christians, there's no getting around it. Terrible times will come. And yet we're not alone. We have one another. And we have the examples of brave Christians through the ages. And most importantly, we have God himself. And so let's pray now and ask him to help us stand firm as we wait for our Saviour's return. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, we do indeed thank you for our Saviour Jesus and uh, the privilege and joy it is to follow him. Uh, please help us to endure as we face trouble from people in this world. Uh, thank you that one day Jesus will return and put all things right. Uh, Father, we're sorry for the times when our own selfish and self-centred behaviour hurts the people around us. We ask that your spirit would work powerfully in us and change us, that we might show only love and, and, and kindness to the people in our lives. Father, please keep us from being drawn away from the truth by bad influences and uh, help us to know when it's time to separate ourselves from them. Father, thank you for the, the many, many examples of Christians who have stood firm through difficult times. Uh, you were faithful to them and you will be faithful to us too. So please help us and our children to follow their example, sticking with Jesus to the very end. In his name we pray. Amen.